Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. In this episode, we find out what it takes to raise a spider baby, find out what Damien is up to now, renew all the seasons, get a good look at the killing joke, and Oh, hello, Nick. Oh, hello, David. We are the robots programmed to do the show. In replace of the real David and Nick. Who are probably being stupid, smelly humans. Yes, reading their stinky comic books. Aha, 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 aha. Go digital. Welcome, everybody, to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. We will never refer to that moment again in our lives. <laughs> oh, Remember boy. when we were cool? I had you a boys aren't nerds, like, are you? <laughs> we were... I had a coworker today be like, what are you doing tonight? And I didn't say, I'm going to go home and record my comics podcast. I was just like, nothing. She's like, you're young. Like, she's got a kid. She's like, you got to get out there. You don't have any kids. You don't have anything tying you down. Like, you got to go out there and, like. She's aware like, of your you... two cats, right? What? She's aware of your two cats, right? Yeah, but it's not like. The, the, I don't have to. You know what I mean. She's aware that your fiance has the lupus, right? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that she's, like, it's impossible for her to go outside. She's not a That's what it means. No, that's what it means. She has to live in a bubble. Oh. Uh, she has to get one of those big like plastic bubbles like bubble boy starring jake gyllenhaal and if she ever wants to go outside do you remember that movie yeah i love that movie you, lo- at, you at the time that i love that it. movie okay i liked a lot of movies as a kid that as an adult i might not be proud of but i mean as a kid i did not give two shits like like what i'm curious um i mean like i enjoyed all the batman movies of dubious quality. Yeah, all, yeah. I mean, that was all kids because um, they were made to sell the toys. I mean, I remember watching like some of those old shitty Captain America movies, uh, like like the, the, some of the original live action ones, the weird ones from the seventies where it was like kind of a fat guy in the suit. No, I can't remember. It wasn't. I don't think it was like the motorcycle one. Um, but like, I remember the Red Skull being super terrifying. Like, I'm pretty sure they showed his like face melting off in the Ooh. scene, uh, and I thought that was really cool. Um, I mean, a lot of the cartoons, like, I think I've mentioned King Arthur and the Knights of Justice a few times on the show. Like, in hindsight, like, that show is bad, 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 bad. But in my memory, it is a beautiful creature. Just absolutely, it's like finding a unicorn I still, in my mind. I still really want to do that TV show podcast that we've talked about. Yeah. Like, away in the past. And but we've I, ruined everything that we've ever cared about. It just, it would totally crap on our childhood. Uh, like, I don't I don't really know if Gargoyle is still going to be awesome. It's still going to be awesome. What, the Gargoyles remake? No, what, what the Gargoyles uh, from the 90s. Oh, oh, the, the show. I, I, I'm pretty sure they said that they've been working on a Gargoyles movie. Um but yeah, no, I'm, some I mean some cartoons definitely hold up, like the DC animated stuff. Gargoyles, one that comes to mind. Um, not that it's the DC animated, but 
um, you know, and some shows are kind of like they weren't intended to be like, like, excuse me, like straightforward fair, you know, like Scooby-Doo was ridiculous, but I, I think it's timeless in a way where it's like, it was never like it, they put a ton of thought into it, you know? Got some work to do now. And now we're putting him in the future fighting monsters. Scooby Apocalypse. Did you see some of those uh those uh variant covers? Oh no, I totally forgot. They're pretty cool. I mean, keep they, them up. Keep talking, David. They look just fine. Uh I found out today that the Gargoyles uh T V show, speaking of which, was actually really close to being in the uh Kingdom Hearts video game oh. in some capacity. But it probably wasn't popular enough in Japan for them to do it. That's a shame. I know. I know. Everyone sigh. Speaking of uh, shame and secret shame, I don't know. Uh, things that are a real damn shame is oh, that we are not yet talking about comic books. Oh, that's to the Batmobile. Let's go. So uh, where do we where do we start? I mean, there's so much so much good stuff. It was a robust week of a, comic yeah. books. It was, you know, it was. I say I would say it was a middle of the road week as far as like volume of stuff coming out. I had a nice little pile of stuff that I'm I'm caught up on, but it wasn't like oh man, all my all my favorites are dropping at the same time. You know. It's, you know, faux show. Yes, comic books came out this week as they do most, if not all, weeks of the year, and there was some, there was some, there was a, an eclectic mix of books. I think you and I stuck fairly close to this, the big two this week, minus the, I do see here that you read Huck, uh, the continuing saga of Huck, and I'm still picking up Injection for some reason, even though I'm so behind. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm some image books. I'm going to start picking up digitally, I, so I've kind of. I'm waiting for them that. to drop down. I need it, or just Price? move to uh, collected sure. volume. Yeah, but I mean, even I mean, though. So as I was doing some room rearranging this this week or last week, I should say, you were um, feng shuiing. You know, um, I had to sort of realphabetize my comic book collection because I, I really hadn't <laughs> organized it in a long time. By comic book collection, I mean just my collected edition, and kind of going through it, I'm like. Man, there's something just satisfying being like, I'm probably never going to pick you up and read you again, but I like owning you. I like having you physically in my life. It's it's uh, it's like all of the volumes of Saga that I continually buy. Because I've read all those. I actually have reread um, most of the volumes of Saga. But like I'm keeping them just for like the day of when I have kids who are old enough or like somebody's like, I want to, you know, I think comics are going to be interesting. What's a good series? And I can like chuck saga at their face. Yeah. But it's like just there for the purpose of not my entertainment. Cause I've already absorbed it and, and liked it. And maybe, and, you know, I'm saying this now, probably in five to 10 years, I will reread it all. Inspired. Like, yeah. cause, you know, I've, I've reread, um, like why the last man a couple of times. And there's, you know, a few series that, I've I've powered through, mm -hmm. and I still need to finish uh, Fables. Yeah, Fables is one. I'm yeah, I think so I think fun. I'm with you. A lot of it feels like you know I do have people that sometimes come in like, oh yeah, I want to I want to check out comic books, and I'm like, boom, I've got something that it's a lot easier to hand them something off the shelf than it is to be like, here, log into my digital account and 
and and or, download them. But oh, do you have an iPad? Oh, you don't have an iPad or a tablet or whatever. Like, pfft, okay. Or, or to be like, you. or to be like, hey, why don't you go to like a comic book shop that you've never really been in before and, and feel overwhelmed and wander around trying to find? Wait, where is like the Marvel section? Uh, oh wait, there's like four different Daredevil volume ones. Where, which one do I get? Yeah, no wonder we have trouble. Um, no wonder the comics industry is in trouble. Because it's it, it, so it, dang confusing. It's it is confusing. I would I would argue to say it's not in trouble. I would just I say know. that it's not. Like, I know expanding. No, 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 no. It's fine. Um, you know, def- and that's another thing is that things are moving more digital, digital, digitally. Wow, it's like, really I funny could... that as you just said that there was like a weird, uh, like record skip. And you, you said digitally like four times. It's like digitally, 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 digitally. digitally, digitally. digitally. Um, the robots you know, are back. So part of me is like, all right, well, like I want to read these image books. I mean, obviously, like you and I, we pro- we have a problem. I mean, we consume <laughs> we, we consume we, enough media as it is. But I mean, it's so easy to get you know, like you like when you're watching shows, you can only watch so many different shows. And I say quote at once in quotes. You know what I mean? Like I I'm probably following like three shows right now. Uh, and kind of go back and forth intermittently, but with comic books, it's just easy to be like, "Whoop, read you know five minutes, five to ten minutes, whatever you read that single issue, boom, another one, boom, another one, boom, another one." So it's a lot easier to get caught up in like fifty different series. But mm-hmm. now at the same, then I kind of look back and I'm like, "What? Like as a whole, like I know I like this, I know that I I didn't like that, but did I really digest it? Did I really like pace myself and absorb it? Whereas it's you know because it, it is a an active experience reading comic books. So you're not just like passively watching a show and it, it's, you know, it, it's kind of the, the, the show has to, you know, I mean, comic books have to engage you too, but with a show, you're along for the ride with comic books. Like it might still be good, but you can try and power through it and you might miss a certain aspect of it that it was intended that you just glossed over because you were trying to get it right in time for this podcast that we do. See, you are totally, uh, underestimating my brain's ability to not absorb things because there's definitely been comics that I've read and then come onto the show and been like and blah 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 like why didn't they do this or like why did they do that and you're like uh, no that's not at all what happened like here's the answer to your questions your confusion is unfounded and I'm like oh where am I I'm surrounded by old people. <laughs> this, yes, this whole I, podcast is a, a dream that you have as an old man in a retirement home. And then someone hands me some tapioca pudding and life goes on. I wish someone would hand me tapioca pudding. Wouldn't like just randomly if someone walked up and was like, here's some tapioca pudding. And you like you knew it wasn't poisoned. Wouldn't that just make things great? All I'm saying is give me my tapioca pudding and my comic books and leave me the hell alone. So I uh, I always just kind of have running ideas of, of crap that'll never happen. Uh, and sometimes it'll be like, if I ever write a sitcom, I'll have this. And I always had an idea for like a running joke in a sitcom would be this guy works in an office and often hears about like desserts or cakes that happen, but he has no idea where they're coming from. So like everybody else in the scene would just like have a piece of cake and like he wouldn't. And uh, and people who like come to visit would like have cupcakes 
like, where did you get that? It's like, oh, yeah. And I was in, like, the, the room where they had, like, all the cupcakes. And just, like, for, you know, for a couple of years, he can never figure out where all these treats are coming from. Uh, and this is why I am not hired to write sitcoms. That is this in, what happens to you on a daily, life, a daily basis at work? Yeah, I, uh, man. People I, never share the cupcakes with you? I, I wish they would hide the cupcakes better so I wouldn't eat so many. It's a real yeah. problem. My work likes to leave food out all the time. Yesterday, yesterday I had like I had a salad made. I had like a Greek yogurt for my for my break. I had like a full meal, like balanced meal for my dinner. And then someone, one of my workmates that sits nearby me, just comes up and is like, "Dude, they've got like meatballs downstairs." And I'm like, "What?" So I go down to the what we call the inner loft, and boom, there's just this thing of like this giant platter or whatever of meatballs, and there's like this. Um, these things are on like little pieces of bread. I think it was like ham or some kind of meat or maybe it was cheese. I forget. I, I ate a lot of it though. Um, I don't know, but they were good. So I had this plate. I was so like, you didn't, well, even, I you didn't even like taste it. It was just like vacuum. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I hate a lot of food. And I was like, well, I guess I don't have to eat the food I prepared now. And I didn't. I ate it today. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had moments. Uh, where like last Friday, I was like, okay, I've kind of eaten really crappy this week. I'm going to try to be good. Like today, you know, shouldn't really be a problem. I just won't go home and eat like a bunch of like sweet and sugary crap. And I go into the kitchen at work and there is a box of donuts. And before my brain can even register, there is a box of donuts sitting there. One is in my mouth. <laughs> Dude, donuts have that power. They do. When I used to work next to a Dunkin' Donuts, um, I mean, it was literally just like, I'm just going to eat this one like chocolate glazed donut. That's it. Nope. Going back for a fourth. Yeah. Um, or when someone at work would be like, it's like I woke up, I ate like a nice breakfast. I'm like, like I'm, I'm going in. It's going to be a good day. Not, I, I'm going to get all my steps in. Like It's going to be awesome. And then someone, like we're doing some like changeover project. This is at my old job. And someone would be like, oh, here's a box of munchkins to get us through the work shift. And I'm like, shit. And then I'm the guy that's just eating all of them and leaving the shitty ones. And you know which one I mean by shitty don't, munchkins. I'm talking about the jelly-filled ones. Oh, God. The for worst. everyone else. The worst. I... Yeah, there will be times when people come back from lunch and they're like, oh, yeah, we stopped off. We have this place here called Duck Donuts. And their whole thing is that they're like constantly making donuts and they don't put any glaze or topping on it until you order it. Mm -hmm. So they keep like the donuts pretty fresh. And then you can be like, I want, you know, like peanut butter icing with chocolate sprinkles. So people will like go out to lunch and they'll come back and be like, oh, yeah, we just got a dozen duck donuts. And like at three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, yeah, I can have that entire dozen that's completely fine yeah and i'm like i always like when i'm walking back by i'm like is anybody gonna see me take another donut right now <laughs> oh man yeah donut sneaking it's it's shameful so which gonna, is why i like it i'm gonna play this noise again to the batmobile let's go and we're gonna talk about the some thing about donuts <laughs> thing about donuts play, play it one more time play it one more time <sighs> to the batmobile let's go yeah, so I read some comics. Um, Did you now? I'll, I'll just start because I know that you're hopeless and you'll just start talking about donuts again. Um, donuts. <laughs> no. Um, so I, I kind of stuck it to Marvel and then – You, you uh, stuck it to Marvel? You were I like, stuck it. I told you were like, them, hey, I told Marvel. exactly what I thought. 
in a letter that I sent anonymously to Tom Brevoort, the senior vice president of publishing. And I was like, you stink. And something like that. Where was I going with that? Oh, so you read uh, some Marvel books. Absolutely. No, (laughs) I like Tom Brevoort. So uh, I take it back. Um, Anyway, I read international Iron Man. Number one, first issue. Mm. I read spider woman. Number five, fifth issue. Mm. And I read Superman, American alien numero cinco. That's, Number five in Spanish. Um, I, I would love to hear like Superman, American Alien number five, which is the 12th issue. <laughs> um, so I'll just kind of start off with International Iron Man. International uh, Iron Man. I, I, so I, I sent you that, that post, or that, yeah, that, the interview that was with Elijah Wood. I, I doubt you read it, but maybe you did. Maybe you did. You didn't. You totally didn't read it. It was Elijah Wood? Yeah, I sent you that link like yesterday, being like, like, "Oh, this is like an interesting way to approach like, like uh, oh yeah, I pop hadn't, culture criticism." I hadn't read that yet, man. Elijah Wood is uh, popping up in my life a lot lately. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, um, I, I saw him at a concert one time. Continue. Uh, um, so, I mean, basically, it was the the short version is like, "Don't be a dick. Don't make it personal. Like, if you're gonna be like a critic or a critique, like, make it constructive." Um, you know, so and and I think I've mentioned before on this show that even though sometimes Bendis's work, Brian Michael Bendis, for those that don't know, um, you know, that his sometimes from an issue to issue or series to series basis, his work can be hit or miss. Uh, I think he sound, he just seems like a phenomenal guy. I follow him on yeah. Tumblr and I read his posts. And no, 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 Bendis is Bendis is cool. Bendis is you know Bendis is legit, and he you know he wouldn't if he was as bad as some people really make him out to be, um, he wouldn't have gotten as far as he. He he did. Yeah, he, would, he, be, he would be Rob Liefeld. Yeah. Um, who, okay, come on. Rob go, Liefeld go on. got pretty far. Go and on. again, nothing against Rob Liefeld. We're just super envious of him. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, you are a little bit. At least I can kind of Might not draw. like his aesthetic style, but He's... he turned that aesthetic style into the most highest paid comic creator of all time. Ugh, you're making me physically ill. Continue. Um, so anyway, all that preface being said, uh, I didn't really like International Iron Man. <gasps> I liked the first five issues of Bennis's Invincible Iron Man run in large part because of the uh, David Marquez art, which is probably one of the big reasons I'm actually going to pick up Civil War II. Uh, uh, that, sorry, and, sorry, real quick, just because I'm not sure. Is this uh, book replacing the other Iron Man book? Nope. Because Bendis is writing two Iron Man books, both about Tony Stark. Interesting. Um, and so this book, apparently, it's, it's the International Iron Man, so he's going to take a more global approach. Mm-hmm. But I guess the main drive of this book is that, uh, and I don't know if you knew this, but um, when Kieran Gillen, who writes The Wicked and the Divine, mm-hmm. um, was writing Iron Man, he revealed that Tony Stark was, in fact, adopted. Hmm. Um, so Venice is uh, actually picking up on that thread, and this is going to be the book that explores uh, Tony Stark's true parentage. Or lineage, or whatever. Um, does it do that in the first issue? Hell no. The first issue <laughs> is basically it's it has a, uh, a bookend scene where he bas- it basically opens him being attacked by some guys in robot suits. Um, but he's just basically wasting two pages saying, "Is he dead? I think he's dead. He's not dead. He's Iron Man. If Iron Man wanted you to think he was dead, he'd make you think he's dead. Something like that." And do then you, it basically do you cuts think he's dead. Rest. What dead? Dead? Yeah. Do you think yes. we killed him? I think we might have killed him. Yeah. Anyway, in typical Bendis style. 
basically like that. And then the rest of the book is a flashback to his time at the University of Cambridge. Though apparently it's not actually the University of Cambridge. It's called Cambridge University. And there was a Bleeding Cool article. And I obviously don't know enough about the, that ge- the geographical location to make any deep comments about it. But according to you know Rick jo- or Rich Johnson or whatever on, on Bleeding Cool, who's from the England area... Um, uh, basically said that like the geography and inter- uh, international Iron Man number one was all wrong, which you think that if that's true for a book called international Iron Man, like the one thing you might want to get right is your geography. Anyway, again, not really busting on Bendis here. I just, I didn't, it, the book wasn't for me. And I think again, like what I was saying about invincible Iron Man was that what was keeping me coming back for the first five issues was the David Marquez art story wise, like both this and both the first five plus I've read the last couple of issues of Invincible Iron Man as well, like number six and seven, incredibly padded, which I should always know going into Bendis. He is someone that like, if I read him in big chunks, I'm like, okay, that was satisfying, but I'll read like four or five issues and I'll be like, I feel like this could have been two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely someone that I feel like I might have to take a step back again and just kind of wait for a few issues to pile up and then read it and just get a feel for it. Um, because basically this for a book called international iron man, it did not blow itself out of the gates besides the fact that like the setting was at Cambridge university in, uh, I guess, London. Um, the, the fact that if this is the international iron man really was not on my radar when reading it. And you know, I, I'm not going to get too stuck on the name. It just, it was basically Tony Stark as a college student, um, kind of meeting a girl who's also from a rich family who has bodyguards and like he gets kind of tangled up with her for a bit before they get attacked by Hydra. And it just seemed, you know, they're clearly going with the international spy James Bondian type route in a way. So the fact that like he's meeting, he's falling for like a mysterious heiress uh, and all this stuff just was kind of cliche. It wasn't anything fresh, I suppose. Um, and then basically once the flashback is over, they jump back to that same scene at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and the the girl that he met during his college years is now like some kind of super spy or something. Basically saying, oh, by, by the way, spoilers. Um, basically kind of like, like, don't follow me, Tony, or something like that. And he's like, something, something, I'm Tony Stark. And then the book ends. <laughs> something, something, I'm Tony Stark. That obviously means I have license to do whatever I want. You know, so I mean... I did not feel like it was Bendis' strongest showing as a f- for a first issue. Alex M- Maleev, the artist who did, you know, they did an incredible run on Daredevil. It's definitely one of my favorites. You know, I don't think he's made for Iron Man, the kind of gymnastics that Iron Man kind of performs, the, the visual gymnastics. Um, he's definitely street. Um, I just feel like the artwork for, like, the kind of scene you might imagine in your head of, like, Iron Man fighting robots and stuff... You kind of want it to be more explosive and more impactful. And I just, his artwork, like, doesn't necessarily rise from this, the staticness. Like, even in Daredevil, it, the fight scenes were the least memorable part about their run. Um, so the artwork, I wasn't feeling it. The writing, like, just way too padded. Like, in 20-whatever pages that the issue was, I feel like they could have accomplished a lot more and really hit home that international Iron Man feel. And I just didn't get it. So... Uh, I'll definitely put this book on the back burner. Um, I have a tendency to always give Bendis another shot and another shot and another shot. And uh, I guess I'll just check back in a few issues and see how it's going and take it from there. Cool. Cool, cool, 
Cool. Yeah, I I don't know if I've ever actually read a full Iron Man story, if I am perfectly honest. You should be hopping on Marvel Unlimited and reading at least Matt Fraction's run. I know, I need to. And there's so much other stuff on there that I need to read. Uh, which I will get to eventually, but you know what I read? I, I You know what I read this week? I read, and this will surprise absolutely nobody, Robin, Son of Batman, number 10. What? Whoa. I I'm surprised. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm surprised. Right. I'm surprised that you read it. Hey, you're surprised that I read anything with my literacy skills. Uh, <laughs> How was it? Robin, so, so, so this book is the very unfortunate departure of Patrick Gleason. Uh, he has had a couple issues in his nine issue run that he wasn't there. So really, unfortunately, we only got about seven issues of him on this book. And the first couple were really him getting his footing. Mm -hmm. And then I would say the middle chunk was pretty good. And the ending I thought was really good as well. Uh, this issue uh, was taken over by the likes of uh, Ray Fox. It's Ray, right? I always... Yeah, I always Ray sure. Fox and Ramon Box. Ramon Box. Ray Fox. Ramon Box. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Uh, and it's picking up on some threads that, uh, that Patrick Gleason left behind. Like Talia's now, like, we're now resurrected as well. Um, and there's, uh, these people, I can't remember the name of the family, uh, Din Darga, I think is that what he's calling Din, Din Darga, yeah, from the Ruin, Ruin Draga. I just read the th issues three, four, and five earlier right, today, and so there, yeah, it comes up in it's there. fresh. Uh, and, and it's Din Darga's son, right? Or... I, I don't remember that yeah, yeah, part. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were Surin, just calling him so, Din Darga yeah. in the book. So, Sin, uh, Surin Darga, son of Din Darga later shows up uh and the, the, essentially he is coming now well he, he, damien has something that he wants because he's trying to end the world because he's a bad guy and that's what they want and he's another like 10 or 11 year old kid uh meanwhile yeah damien finds out that someone's trying to steal the priceless artifacts that he once upon a time stole but is like trying to return and, and make up for, uh, and then Maya who, well, slight spoilers for you, Nick there, Maya kind of retired from her life as nobody is now getting dragged back in by Talia, uh, who is still Talia. So she's like kind of a bitch. Uh, and yeah, this issue or this series is wrapping up in two issues. So this is a storyline that either is not going to be, uh, completed or it's probably going to be rushed. I'm going to go with rushed uh, because we're not getting any sort of Robin book after Rebirth and I'm still very sad about that. But that all being said, how was this book overall? This book was very, very middle of the road where it was okay. And if, if you're someone who's kind of blindly like picking this up, you you, you this is kind of going to be what you expect from a comic book, uh, good guy versus bad guy, yada, yada, yada. For me, though, there's parts of it I really didn't like, and that is uh, and that is the way that Ray Fox 
writes Damien. I don't know if this issue was kind of rushed, and so, you know, maybe the script didn't get as polished, but I don't think he really kind of gets some of the subtleties and the nuances of his character that people like Morrison and Tomasi and then later Gleason uh, really got, which was... You know, yeah, he's he's abrasive and uh, and he's arrogant, but he's not really. I mean, he is okay. He is condescending, but not to those that he loves and respects and cares for. Uh, well, those are all separate categories. Uh, loves and cares for should kind of be off on one side, and respects is another because he will be kind of condescending to those he respects, but not. It's it, Damien is complicated, but you have him in this issue running around being like, Goliath, where are you, you big dumb bat? And that doesn't feel right. He never really insulted Goliath. Uh, mm-hmm. Goliath is like his partner and, and his pet in a very literal way. I really am worried for Goliath in Rebirth. I don't know what's going to happen to him. Uh, I don't want to think about it. Oh, I might might cry a little bit. I'm trying not to. Um... And it just, I don't know, it it feels like somebody who has sort of this base, not very, very basic knowledge of what Damien is like, or kind of like Damien, a a caricature of Damien, that's a better way of saying it. This is more like a caricature of Damien, where his worst qualities are sort of emphasized, uh, and and not really given the the nuance that a character like this really does have, or or shown the maturity that he has gained through uh, the last few years of his appearance. Um, mm-hmm. The art is is fine. It's serviceable. It, um, you know, there's nothing that really stands out about it. It exists. Uh, yeah. All in all, it's just kind of sad that with this with this story ending that. We didn't we didn't end on issue number nine, which was I thought a really really strong, really great ending, and we're getting this last kind of rushed storyline, which uh, it's probably just going to be okay. And when you have a character that I I love so much, I I don't want it to just be okay. I want it to be great. Mm-hmm. But hey, there's lots of lots of Batman stories that are just okay or terrible. So you know, Damien's got to get his due. Yeah, yeah, it is a shame. I know that Patrick Gleason had some personal issues that cropped up during the series that had uh, taken him away, and it sounds like they've uh, resolved themselves. I haven't, you know, dug too deeply into it, and um, you know, it's definitely a shame that the book kind of fell off track because of that. Uh, I'm sure it's, you know, I I've read good things by Ray Fox, and I've I've enjoyed art, and I actually would say probably, you know, not that can can put the two together in a boxing ring. I would say that uh, looking at some of the preview pages for these Ramon Bach issues, uh, I think he definitely brings a, a good talent to the book. Uh, and I've, I've seen other artwork by Ramon Bach that I've really liked, yeah, but I yeah. feel like they, they definitely were kind of thrown this book like, Hey, right. you know, Patrick Gleason is a guy who come back, you know, work something from this. And that's never fun for a creative type to have to, mm-hmm. you know, wrestle with. So yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I it, yeah, I don't want to say like I, you know, I hate Ray Fox. I I've read other stuff by him. Make it and, personal, David. Make it no, personal. I, I've read other stuff by him, and yeah, he's good. And the def, but it, it definitely does feel like, hey, things were uh, rushed in on this, and it's just not as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. 
I actually, I just had up uh, Patrick Gleason's Twitter, and he said that before Rebirth called, I had outlined through number 13. So he had had, you know, plans for the, the whole second arc, but it obviously mm-hmm. didn't materialize. But I'm super excited to figure out what Patrick Gleason will be doing for Rebirth, if if anything, yeah, hopefully. We've, we've had a couple of, uh, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't, they haven't announced more creative teams yet. We've gotten a few just kind of trickling in here and there. Uh, what solicitations should be coming out soon, right? Yeah, uh, well, supposedly they're announcing the creative teams at uh, WonderCon uh, Easter mm. weekend, so that's when we'll know for sure. And then I'm not sure if they're withholding the solicitations to before, or if they do that thing where like they release solicitations, but they quote unquote announce it at, at WonderCon. So, mm-hmm. what I mean, what is it? Today's like the 16th. So usually they they do. Um, they do them around now, so we'll probably see something at the earliest by beginning of next week. But they might put it up, push it off until um, mm. Friday. But I mean, then they'd be releasing the solicitations right at the end of the month when they usually do it around the middle of the month. So right. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Well, but next week we will probably know something. Maybe not for the next show, but the show after that. And then the show after that, and the show after that, and so on, and so on, and so on. Hey, Nick, Spider-Woman number five. Talk about it. All right. So uh, I've been a big proponent of the Spider-Woman book, um, basically from the first issue. And by the first issue, I mean the issue number five of the last volume when Javier Rodriguez came on as the artist. This guy is just, he is definitely one of my, my top favorite artists right now. Like, definitely in the top ten, like, currently working. Um he seems so under the radar, which kind of makes me afraid because it's like, I don't want to say that he's the biggest drop for this book because Dennis Hopeless has definitely been killing it. Um, uh, but like, I'm afraid that Marvel's going to be like, Oh my God, this guy's awesome. Like super awesome. We got to put him on one of our big books, probably with Bendis. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I mean like these guys, this is a, a team. This is the peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and chocolate type, you know, comic book team like Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely or, uh, uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale and all that like this is a team that clicks um, so anyway to the book in question um, since Secret Wars and the eight month gap we return to Jessica uh, Drew's life finding out that she's been pregnant uh, and then the issue previously she gave birth to her baby boy in <gasps> issue five this issue that came out this week do we know who the dad is kind of, I'm gonna get to it okay jeez. Uh, um this issue is basically her maternity leave because she's part of her is itching to get back to work, uh, working with Phil Urich and um, the porcupine on their private investigator cases. And, um, but at the same time, like she's just kind of dealing with the emotional fallout. Well, one thing that I, I've read in interviews and they even mentioned in the back of the book is that between the editor on this book, the writer, the artist, these are all fairly new dads. Like they've all had kids within the last three years, some like super recently. Hmm. Um, so the sort of emotional fallout of being a new parent is like just on point for these guys. And they bring that emotion both to the dialogue and to the artwork. Uh, and you really get sucked into Jessica's um, sort of internal struggle trying to like, I mean, you think, you know, there are people in this world that shouldn't be parents and there are people that I think end up becoming great parents, but sometimes they have to walk a long road before they kind of iron out their kinks and, and become the parents that they're always meant to be. Um, Jessica Jones is the kind of person where she has not had the best upbringing. You know, when you think of like, what would make a, a, a good parent? 
uh, a stable parent, I should say, from like her messed up parents to her childhood to the experimentation to being a triple agent between Shield and Hydra and whoever to hey, just hey, living the superhero life. Look, everybody in their childhood gets experimented on either by you know some government agency or some spy agency. Or sometimes, like, your parents decide, hey, we've brewed this super serum. We're just going to go ahead and inject it into you and see what happens. Like, that's just a part of growing up. Oh, I don't know, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, whatever. Um, she, you know, so I, I think one of the things that I've liked about this book, and I don't know how intentional it was or if it's just come across in the final product, is that Jessica's always used to operating at the highest level. Like, mm-hmm. you know, every threat, however small, to her is like DEFCON 5. You know, because she came off being like an Avenger. She was in Hickman's Avengers. She was in Bendis' Avengers. And, you know, she was always dealing with world-ending threats and the scrolls and alien stuff, just big stuff. So when she decided to lay low and be like, I'm just going to focus on street stuff, quote-unquote, normal stuff, you know, she always approached things like as if she would if she was fighting like a, a gigantic threat. So I, I like that that over – I think that overarching aspect of the book has carried into this where it's like she just – she – wants to do right by this child she she loves the child but it's like she's she really is rewiring her whole brain to make this work now to get to the point spoilers on everyone's been wondering who's the dad we still don't know oh come on okay okay now wait for it we don't know because she didn't just get knocked up on some booze drinking night she actually decided at some point obviously within like the nine months or so before that she wanted to be a mom. So she went to a sperm bank and had a sperm baby. Which all babies are sperm. <laughs> well, I was going to say. I'm she sorry, had, gonna... she, I don't know, is there a term for that kind of baby? Uh, she had a single mom baby? Sperm uh, don- she had a sperm donor baby. Right. She had a donor baby. Boom. There we go. Donor baby. So if the father ever plays a significant role into the book, it remains to be seen. I'm assuming in most cases in real life, like usually it's the child that grows up and is like, maybe I want to know who my biological father well, is, but, uh, 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 you know, but, uh, yeah, she had a donor baby. Okay. I guess donor conceived person works donor offspring or donor conceived person because also donor baby can be like, Oh, our kid is sick. Let's have another baby because that kid might have the cure. Uh, what do you think? Oh, I've heard of that. That's messed yeah. up shit. What do you think the, I mean, it works out typically. What do you think the over under is on the baby being Tony Stark's? Because <laughs> I got a feeling. She just, well, I'm assuming, and I don't really know how donation clinics like that work, that the, the donor's information isn't anonymous. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if their name is, I, I really know how that works. Like, do you have access to the person's name? Or is it not their name, but you get sort of like their genetic makeup profile to see if they have any issues? Uh, I think it depends. Um, so I'll place. be curious if I know going into this next arc, it's, she's getting tied up in the, the Spider Woman event. Um, but maybe after that, they might take time to flash back to like when she made the decision and what quality she looked for in the donor uh, before choosing him. So it, it, I think one of the reasons they did this is because obviously you weren't expecting it. You were probably expecting some super operatic, you know, baby drama or baby daddy drama. Like, Oh, it was a one night stand or, or she dated a guy. Brief- like she actually mentions that she dated a guy briefly. She's telling this to Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically says like, Oh yeah, we, you know, had a one night. St- we, we had this quick thing. And then you know, I realized that I was late. And then she was like, this guy was your baby. And she was like, hold on a second. And I was like, no, it ended up being a false alarm. 
but as I was sitting there seeing like these three pregnancy tests, you know, telling me that I, I didn't have a baby, it got me thinking like, do I, do I want a baby? And I realized yes. And then she kind of made the, the dominoes fall to where she went and got impregnated. Occasionally I think about, uh, scrubs when, uh, when JD knocks up uh, Elizabeth Banks and then she goes to go do like a fellowship at another hospital a few states away and uh, he uh, goes to visit her and she tells him like, oh, I lost the baby and he realizes like, oh, you know, I didn't think the kid wasn't even here and I wasn't really sure like how I felt, but I, you know, I miss him even though he's gone. And then you find out at the end of the episode that she lied to him and she really was still having the baby. <sighs> so angry. Oh yeah. That was some messed up stuff. It was some messed up stuff. You know what else is kind of messed up? What? Huck number five. Uh, I wouldn't really say that it's, it's messed up, but this is the continuing adventures of Huck by, uh, by Mark Millar and, uh, Raphael Albuquerque. And in last issue, uh, Huck and his mom got caught by the Russians, which sounds like such a 1960s serial thing to say, uh, but they were caught by the Russians and taken to Russian prison. And you find out that, uh, there is, there are secret Russian cities, secret Russian science cities that conduct crazy experiments like the guy that was Huck's brother and pretending to be Huck's brother was really a robot the whole time whose entire mission was find Huck and get him to, uh, to locate the mom. Hmm. And, uh, and so they're in there and Huck and the mom kind of have this touching reunion moment. Uh, and then he, you know, the, the whole thing is that, Hey, People have to do, you know, because the, the mom and, and Huck both apparently like have super strength and like really fast reflexes and all that. Uh, but uh, she, you know, they each have like a special power. Like his is that he can find anything if he knows what he's looking for. So if he has like a name or, uh, or like something specific, like a specific detail. Um, and uh, in this, or in her superpower, the mom's superpower is that people have to do anything that, uh, that she says. And so they're, they're caught up and he turns to her and says, mom, tell me to like break us out of this cage. Cause he can't, he's physically, he can't, but if she tells him to, then he has to do it. And things kind of go from there. Hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's a very interesting issue. It, you know, I, it's a Millar book, so I keep waiting for the shoe to drop, and it it gets so close to to getting into very Millar familiar territory where he can just take things a little too far, but he subverts it and he doesn't, you know, right at the edge, and it's really great. It's really kind of refreshing in in that regard um, to just be purely enjoying a, a Mark Millar book. Uh, as a really quality story, because there is a quality to Mark Millar stuff. It's it's very like popcorny, and you know I'm. It's not going to be the. He works with very amazing artists, so there's always the great visual aspect uh, typically to his books. Um, but it, you know, there's times where it's also like there's not going to be a lot of substance here story wise. So I'm just going to enjoy the art, and you know the story will carry us to some really great set locations. 
this, however, has has just a, a good story overall. Uh, Raphael Albuquerque is an amazing artist that really I I need to see on more books. Uh, I I you know I could I could read I I think I would read almost anything that this guy is illustrating. It's just it's just fantastic work. Uh, I'm very excited for the last issue to see how this all wraps up because, you know, you kind of get the sense that the good guys are going to win. Maybe uh, something surprising will happen and, and not everyone's going to make it out alive. But, you know, I don't... Makes me think of a song. Make it out alive. Yeah. Who's that from? Keep um, going. Uh, but I don't, you know... I feel like there's going to be a happy ending to this book, but I don't know what it's fully going to look like yet. And so I'm very mm -hmm. interested to see in, in how that uh, carries on. Uh, so this is just a, a really, really solid issue overall. The, this story has been uh, really good. Uh, this is actually one that I might pick up when it comes out in trade because I, I might want to read it again someday or lend it out to somebody as we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a very quality contained story. Uh, and I pray that they never sully it with a sequel. Oh, they probably will. Well, he uh, keeps talking about sequels, but when are we ever going to get Nemesis number two? Probably Hopefully never. never. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then I got to the very end of the book, and I was like, oh, hey, what's that right there? That's some Frank Quitely art. Uh, as preview? As they preview... Jupiter's Circle, Volume 2, starting... Jupiter's Legacy, Volume 2. Jupiter's Legacy, sorry. It's, you know, it's confusing when Jupiter's Circle has come out more often with a greater number of volume, or issues. Uh, but anyway, Jupiter's Legacy 2 starts uh, June 29th. Uh, one thing that does not have me super excited is that we are being introduced to a, uh, a female character with two samurai swords. And, uh, you know, Molar, you've already used that trope. To death, so I guess it's not really a trope, but use that character to death. Well, he's got that other series coming up with Stuart Amonin, the uh, Empress. Uh, Empress, yeah, which uh, interesting uh, high concept uh, set in an interesting time period. Um, by time period, I mean the past, but with like He Man esque sci fi trappings. Uh, that that looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Malar is. You know, sometimes we like to rag on him, and right. he, you know, it's it's again like yeah, it's like every time he announces a comic book, you know, there's always a movie deal attached to it. But I mean, we also end up usually enjoying the movies too. Um, so it's kind of like, is there really a reason to hate on him? I mean, like for example, I didn't like Nemesis. I didn't particularly like Wanted the comic. I actually do kind of enjoy Wanted the movie. Um, you didn't, I see. I like one of the comic. Wasn't really a fan of one of the movie. Huh. Yeah. I, I think I basically gave someone my my copy of Wanted, uh, the comic. I just was like, meh, whatever. Um, but like, I really like Superior. Um, I do. Enjoy, I did enjoy the Kick Ass movies. Uh, I never really made it past. I think the first volume of Kick Ass. Um, I didn't. I didn't like that they changed the story in the second one to match the movie. That really bothered oh, did me. They? Oh yeah, they made some really big changes. Like uh, what? Like they changed the fact like Big Daddy wasn't uh, wasn't just like a believer anymore. He was a cop as the, as it was in the movie. Um, and there's like a That's couple. Dumb. Yeah, it's really dumb. And there's a couple other things I can't 
uh, really remember, but yeah, they uh, they changed what had happened so that it lined up more with the movie. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Oh well. Oh, let's see what else. What else? Uh, what well, else? I was gonna say something when you were talking about like Mark Millar. One thing that always and I probably should be a little more concerned about is that Millar books he doesn't typically know how to end things well. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, you know, I think I think the Nemesis story wasn't good, but I think the ending was terrible. Um, there was something I read where the super, like all the supervillains go to England to pull off super the heist. Crooks. Super crooks. Which that story was, all right, really interesting in parts, but then the ending I thought was utter crap. Uh, the The uh, exemption to all of this being Red Sun, which is I th it was a rather clever ending, uh, and uh, and yeah. But is there anything else? Any other any other comics we wanna we wanna talk about here before moving along? I mean, I could just mention that Superman American Alien Numero Cinco was uh, first off it was drawn by Francis Manipool, um, <sighs> widely known for his work his artwork on the Flash. Um, a couple few different Flash volumes, or two, I guess. Um, also, he was more recently on Detective Comics. He's doing some other stuff. Uh, I think he's working on Aquaman Earth One, actually, which is interesting. I think he's actually writing and drawing that. Oh, cool. Anyway, he did the art for Superman American Alien number five. Uh, this is the part of the story where basically this is his kind of like a set a little bit into his first foray as being the Flying Man. Um, he basically wears like an aviator goggles and helmet, um, uh, wears Batman's cape, but has like a Superman shirt and just uses a police radio to fly around. I really like this, um, sort of podunk version of Superman as he's trying to find his footing. Cause that's how I, for me, I try to think of, you know, no one just usually, except maybe Batman, you know, but the, the, the kind of personality that Clark Kent has, like he's not the kind of guy that's going to go off and make a show. He doesn't want to be necessarily... Uh, a, a visual symbol of inspiration. He just wants to go out there and do what's right and help people. So um, besides the, the Superman logo, he just kind of threw something together and said, I'm going to go out and help people. And that actually becomes a point of the issue when he has a confrontation with Lex Luthor, uh, where Luthor basically calls him out being like, you have no idea why you're doing this, do you? Um, but the, the crux of the issue is basically Superman taking on Parasite and just beautifully drawn, um, you know, say what you will about Max Landis, but like this has been, I think, a phenomenal Superman comic. I disagree. Uh, the character. Well, let me finish. Okay. Um, uh, I like that. It feels like all the characters have their own voice. Um, he it seems like he always keeps his eye on the prize. Like there's an ultimate goal to this series, and he's been getting to it bit by bit with each issue. Um, and of course, it doesn't hurt that he's had some great artistic talent in each issue to carry him along. Um, but I don't, I've I've really been enjoying the series. So David, tell me why you're a loser and have no friends. That's a completely separate subject that we don't have time to get into unless I'm going to start paying you all for my therapist sessions. Uh, so I, I've I've said on this show several times, and I will be a broken record in this respect, that I was immediately skeptical of this book the second that Max Landis said that this storyline is the the anti all-star Superman. I didn't know what he meant by that. I get now what he means and I don't like that. <laughs> I thought, the, I thought the first issue was 
really great. The first issue really like, I was like, okay, like I, you know, I was probably wrong about, about all of this. Uh, I, it wasn't so hot on issue two. I get issue two. I, you know, it's fine. I actually still haven't read issue three, so I can't speak on that one. Uh, but issue four, I thought was so, and that's like the fifth time you've dropped that pencil. Uh, I love what I call you out on that. Cause you always put it down like a, like a guilty child. Um, but the, like the fourth issue, I just thought there were some moments that were so painfully on the nose. I wasn't really a huge fan of the Batman interaction with Superman. Uh, and then I haven't finished this issue yet, but I've read the first couple of pages and I really didn't like uh, Superman, you know, picks up these two guys who are robbing, uh, you know, a liquor store, essentially. Like, the cops were there. The cops had them. Uh, but Superman shows up to, to pick him up and then drops him off in the middle of, of nowhere. So for, for cops not to be able to get them and thus dispense justice. Uh, and his he says, okay, guys, don't do crimes. Don't do crimes or I'll fly down from the sky and get you next time. Wham, pow, uh, tell your friends I said that. That, I, that. that doesn't work for me. Even as like a, as like an immature Superman, him saying, wham, pow, I'm going to get you. Like that, I, that does not mesh for me at the end of the issue he leaves a big thing for lex luther and says i'll see you soon xoxo your pal superman like the superman is a dick and i'm not a big fan of it it doesn't work for me have you read early superman comics okay all superheroes were dicks okay super dickery aside uh we've we've he's generally only a dick to other dicks he was a dick to those two guys for like no reason it's dicks yeah. being dicks to other dicks. We've, we've been over this many, many times. Uh, yeah, it's just, I'm not loving it. And, and, you know, Max Landis is a guy who feels like he is super creative and super great and, like, very clever. And part of that kind of really comes off in his storytelling here, where you think you can tell he thinks he's writing the greatest Superman story. And uh, that also is bothering me. So, you know, I really want to like the story. There's parts of it that I do like, but I think overall this package is not working for me. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Okay. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, even if it's wrong. Yeah. That's, you know, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's, I, I, I think Max Lennon definitely comes off, at least in like the interviews and the videos that I've watched of him, as maybe a bit full of himself, certainly not humble. Um, he definitely seems to have a clear passion for Superman. You know, you get a lot of those outside and, and, of the industry types that come in, and they very rarely bring the sort of what I feel is fervent passion that he's bringing to this uh, product. Right. And, and I appreciate um, anybody who has a love for Superman, because you get a lot of people who just crap on Superman, like, you can't tell a good Superman story. You know, oh, yeah. I agree, and and um, I mean, he's definitely telling a much more rough and tumble Superman than All Star Superman. So I, you know, when he's saying it's the anti Superman, it's not like he's dissing All Star Superman, but this is clearly Superman taking place at a different point in his life. Whereas All Star Superman was very Silver Age, taking place towards the end of his career, and he was much more seasoned and mature. You know, even that version of Superman had to have started somewhere, and even though we'll never see that version. And it probably isn't like this Max Landis version of Superman. 
you know, it it sort of would like he he had to you know gain his stripes somehow, and he probably would have done it by saying, "Pow, Pam, get out of here! Don't you know? Don't do it again. Tell your friends. You know, I mean, it's this is definitely much more human, like f- f- Superman with fal- foibles. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I'm the critic. I'm not the cre- the creator. I suck. Um, what I, what I mean to say is is that I like the book. And I, I think it's got two more issues left, so I'll be curious to see how it wraps up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I really got. Like, and I, I don't want to keep harping on Landis, but I, uh, you know, just to kind of, you know, further your point where you're saying how he comes off in interviews. Did you see the rant he went on after American Ultra flopped? No, I may have heard of it. Uh, so yeah, American Ultra, uh, was his, his movie that came out and didn't really do very well. He immediately took to Twitter and started saying, um, like, why did it lose to a sequel, a sequel reboot, a biopic, a sequel and a reboot? It seems reviews don't matter. The movie didn't matter. The argument will be big level original ideas don't sell. Uh, I wish, uh, like he's like, you know, oh, American Ultra got really good reviews. Um, yeah, where's like there's all right it's a good movie certainly better in the inner opinions if you saw it you probably didn't hate it i totally lost the sweet the the tweet where he said or basically they're like original ideas don't matter anymore like you know this movie is so creative why isn't everybody seeing it like just tooting your own horn in that way of like this movie's so great and it's losing out to the things like blah 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 blah, blah. just you Got two forty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Well, okay. Yeah, I I, mean, I was seeing a trailer for it. And I thought it was interesting. I didn't know it was a Max to, Landis flick, but according to the internet, apparently it was really. And, okay, so I I don't want to keep harping on this. I, you know, Landis, Landis was behind uh, the some stuff that I really liked. Uh, I, I keep wanting to say Chronicle for some reason, but I know that's not right. You didn't uh, like Chronicle? Did he write Chronicle? Yeah. No, see, I actually loved Chronicle. So, you know, I have a very confusing relationship with, uh, oh, wait, what? He wrote the Power Rangers film. Uh, this is all the new one. Yeah. So people, this is going to be, I mean, it's has like, has like seven writing credits already. Uh, but this is, this is going to be the test here, guys. We're going to see where I fall on this and, uh, let's, you know, let's move on to other topics now. I've, I've got to cleanse my mind and my system with uh, with a little bit of news. Spider-Man and his amazing friends have dropped oh. off the news for us. Pow, 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 pow. Uh, man, and what a crappy news week it has been. Yeah, stuff happened. Not really. I mean, yeah, stuff happened, but nothing. We're not here to tell you some big exciting thing like uh it turns out that that Batman was a a gay Jewish black woman the entire time. But oh man, God, how amazing would the, that be? The day that story breaks, we're going to be all over it. <laughs> uh yeah. The short of it is that every superhero TV show that you enjoy or even the ones you don't enjoy have been renewed. Uh, Fox renewed Gotham for a season three. I just saw something. Somehow. Sorry. So forget the news. Yeah, Fox renewed Gotham for a third season. Okay. That's great. If you like it, All watch right. it. Um, so, and, and I'm saying as someone that would totally be down with it. 
Okay. But my question is, how long until we get Black Batman? That is such now, a we just had Jim Gordon Batman, so I feel like we're probably at least a couple of years away from them kind of shuffling Bruce off again to have someone else fill the role, right? Maybe two to five years. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like at some point, they're going to do the whole, oh, someone else is in the cowl thing. And at what point do you really, I don't want to say out of left field because he's black, but when you look at sort of the supporting cast of Batman, well, besides like Luke Fox, Lucius Fox, I mean, it could be Luke Fox, but I feel like he doesn't have the emotional resonance to just pick up and be Batman. Um, I suppose they have time to do that, but I mean, like Black Batman, that's gonna happen at some point. Well, you you have Luke Fox and Duke Thomas are kind of be- best poised uh, in in the Bat family. There's actually a really great moment. I know you haven't read it yet, but this week's um, Batman and Robin Eternal, where it's flashing through and showing everybody fighting the kids all around the world, and uh, and one of the ones that it cuts to, I think it's the one in Gotham. Uh, yeah, the Beacon Tower, Gotham. It, it says in in you know air quotes, Batman and Robin, and you see it's Jim Bat, and then in his visor you you see a reflection of Duke Thomas, you know fighting. And I'm like, why why wasn't this duo paired together at any point during the Jim Bat storyline? That would have been so great uh, to have the you know the We Are Robin kids being the Robin to the the state-sponsored Batman, which I know a lot of that storyline has been him dealing with bureaucracy and bullcrap. Uh, I but, mean, I think legally he would never be able to operate with, with the kids. Robin. I think they yeah. even made a point in some stories for him to try and shut them down. Yeah, and, and Robin Wars dealt with that in a lot of ways. Uh, but to get to your question, I don't think we're very far off. I don't know who would be best poised for it right now. I think there's still a lot of really interesting stuff they can do with uh, with Luke Fox. Man, Duke Thomas, Luke Fox. I'm like trying not to get them mixed up when I talk. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Just, you know, or or I guess Asian Batman. But, I mean, usually... You already you, have you, Asian you know, Batman. Go, what? Batman of Japan. Oh right, okay. Well then, yeah. There's there was already Black Batman who was Batwing well, of Africa. Well, but but he was he was Bat he was Batwing. Like Batman of Japan was very specifically modeled after Batman. Oh, that that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. Batman. I'd be I'd be very curious how that storyline. Obviously, a good a good storyline. How that could develop and who could take the 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 cowl. Uh, Batman Someday, of Japan is my maybe, spirit animal. Maybe when uh, you and I. Uh, right for DC, we can slowly develop our Batman replacement storyline and have it be the Black Batman, the gay Jewish Black Batman. Yes, oh. gay Jewish female Batman. That's true. And wasn't wasn't she also overweight? I feel like that was one of our qualifiers. We said that she was overweight. I mean, that would be hella surprising <laughs> if it was an overweight Batman trying to fight crime for more than two <laughs> seconds, but. Uh, I think we took the kept the weight out of it. Don't don't body shame, David. I, no, I just can't remember. I, th- I feel like we had to be one more qualifier to a gay Jewish black woman, uh, Batman. But anyway, <laughs> everything Batman is not. In <laughs> uh, a surprising turn of events, CW renewed their entire lineup, which is almost unheard of for any channel to do. Uh, this does include, though, uh, Arrow, the Flash, the and kind of surprisingly, Legends of Tomorrow. Given that reports were that the show was like already over budget two episodes in, but 
I'm excited to see where they're going to go in a second season. Yeah, I mean, I imagine they'll probably... I had heard early... These are early rumors, of course, that they'd probably change up the hook of the show with each season, so we might not necessarily see all the same characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so they probably won't do time travel. Maybe they'll keep it a bit more grounded for the second season. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it remains to be seen. I'm... I'm pretty far behind on, on legends of tomorrow i'm by far behind i mean i'm probably like three episodes behind but i would um i would love if the constantine rumors were true but i know they're not going to be yeah that would so, just be i'd be curious if like the second season just takes the same like most of the same characters and just kind of follows them afterwards like even if they return to present day that they actually form like a legitimate super team and kind of walk the road towards a justice league-esque you know like world recognition yeah it's you know it's kind of funny that it's a show about time travel but he doesn't pick up heroes from different points in time he just goes and picks up all the heroes from modern day who aren't green arrow or the flash i really i don't know i feel like they could have had a little more fun with that yeah um i mean and maybe they will in season two you know. I, I know that like they're obviously visiting like Jonah Hex in one of the more recent episodes they went to the future and saw the older Green Arrow and Connor mm-hmm. Hawk. Apparently the actor who plays Connor Hawk said that um there's a a chance his character might come back in some fashion. Yeah, that'd be cool if he um, was hopping around with them in season two. So I mean I, I I think with time travel, obviously one of the things that they point out on the show was the reason he picked them was because they had a negligible footprint on the timeline. Um so it's one thing that kind of moved them around. Presumably if they survive, they go back to their original time. But if we obviously, like if you were to say, bring Jonah Hex in or Connor Hawk in and they take place later on the timeline, like you'd ha- if they're going to somehow be back there in present day, you kind of have to explain it. Like Connor Hawk being his own father. Right. There you go. Bring in a uh, Zantana, man. I'm, I'd be all for that. Oh, that would be awesome. I feel like she'd show up. She'd be more likely to show up in the television shows than the movies, but I feel like they think that they were going to use, they would use her for the movies. So they're gonna, they won't let TV touch her. This is my like, you know, conspiracy theory. Yeah. But, no, I don't think she's got enough power for them to think that she's going to show up in the movies. I um, mean, she, like she could potentially show up in like a ensemble role. I don't, I mean, cause I know they kept talking about the justice league dark movie. I think that's where she's primarily tied no, up. That's in. not happening. It's not happening under its nor its original vision, but they might still try to push it out at some point. Now, uh, one thing we don't have in the news here is that Jenna Malone is confirmed to play Barbara Gordon. Uh, oh yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, yeah. Now it's interesting because Zack Snyder, of course, said that well, she's not playing uh, Robin. Thank God, and uh, she's not playing Batgirl which is how he kind of like played with us. So either this means that Barbara Gordon is not Batgirl at this time or that she just doesn't appear as Batgirl in the movie. Which one do you think is more likely? I think it's more likely that she just doesn't appear as Batgirl in the movie. Well, I just yawned that all out. See, uh, I think it's more apparent that she, she probably just won't be Batgirl in the movie. I would really love for there to be a Birds of Prey movie and you have uh, Batgirl and Black Canary kicking butt on the big screen 
mm-hmm. get Jenna Malone and uh, the only like blonde actress I can think of that's really popular right now is Jennifer Lawrence, but I don't want Jennifer Lawrence as Black Canary. Oh man, now who would we cast as Black Canary? They'd have to kill off Laurel. Did you say Jennifer Lawrence is Black Canary? That's the only blonde actress, like young black blonde actress I can think of off the top of my head. Huh. No, no, Nick. Don't 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 visualize it. Um I mean I guess it could work. Um but what am I trying to say? Who could be a black canary in the movies? I I mean they, they certainly wouldn't have to be blonde, they could wear a wig or something. Um it's a good point. A Birds of Prey movie would be cool. Yeah, you know, I feel like you know, they're jumping right into Suicide Squad. They could conceivably they're, jump they're right jumping into right Birds into what? of Prey. You just said they're jumping right into Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. You ran those words together. It was definitely Suicide Squad. <sighs> Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's it's the it's a sequel or something. It's like, Suicide. Hey, we're Suicide Squad. We're Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Sue. All they want you to go out there and sue a squad. Sue a squad. You see a squad walking around, you sue the crap out of it. Yes, squad goals. Um, what am I trying to say? I don't really know. Birds of Prey movie would be cool. That's about it. Next news story. Con- uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are returning for The Killing Joke. This didn't, is kind of old news. Okay, that's what I thought too. But the yeah. internet was like exploding like this was new news. I mean, there is still some new news like attached to it, but go ahead. Continue. Like there was the first picture. Yeah, I think it was of the Joker, right? It's a, a Batman holding the Joker by the collar. Right, right. We also have uh, Tara Strong reprises her role as Barbara Gordon. Yeah, that's cool. And she's Barbara Gordon. Uh, and Ray. I thought she was uh, Harley Quinn. That's what I thought too. From Batman. Story, but oh, she from, does a from, lot of voices, so well, she probably did multiple characters. From Batman the Animated Series. So uh, no, she didn't. She didn't originally do Harley Quinn. She does Harley Quinn now. But back in the day, it was uh, someone else. I can't remember her name. And then uh, Ray Wise will voice Commissioner James Gordon, which is uh, pretty cool. Oh, we also we haven't talked about the Jim Gordon casting for the movie. We'll talk about that a little more after this, though. Uh. Yeah, it looks cool so far. I'm excited to see a lot more about this when we get like a trailer in the coming months. Mm-hmm. Do we have a release date yet? I don't think we do. No, we don't. Probably sometime uh, in the, maybe the summer. I'm thinking. But we'll see. It's it, world... been, it was announced a long time ago, so, so it's the... coming soon. Yeah, it will see its world premiere at Comic Con International in San Diego in late July. So, July. So July, probably so, I August, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Commissioner Gordon, we got our James Gordon cast for the uh, Justice League movie, surprisingly, and it will be played by none other than J. Jonah Jameson himself, Mr. J.K. Simmons. Get me those pictures of Batman! Uh, yeah, this is a very interesting, exciting news. The it's interesting that we will not get a, a James Gordon in Batman v Superman. I'm curious to what role he will play in uh, in Justice, Justice League, League. But I imagine fairly minimal. Well, yeah, but obviously this is a character that they are planning to have uh, some sort of presence. If if you cast somebody like J.K. Simmons, 
if you steal mm. J.K. Simmons from the possibility of being in a Marvel movie, like you gotta have big plans. True. Now you Kiru. you you weren't uh, you weren't the biggest. You know this movie did this news did not excite you in the way that it, it excited me. About J.K. About Simmons. J.K. Simmons being uh, Commissioner Gordon. It's, a part of me is like I don't see it, but at the same time, I'm super excited about what might come out of it. I mean, for me, it's it's hard to separate J.K. Simmons from J. Jonah Jameson. Like, yeah. J, 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 Jonah and 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 Gordon are very different characters. Obviously, J.K. Simmons is a fantastic character actor, but um, I just like it's hard. It's hard to kind of scrub Gary Oldman from my mind yeah. as as Gordon. So I mean, I'm I'm. I'm optimistically excited about what Simmons can, will bring to the role and how they'll kind of frame him and how he'll mesh with the new DC cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. It was just a role that I feel like I know like he's like dying to play um, Jonah again, but it's like, it was just kind of like that left field, like was not expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. Cause you have a, a very iconic comic book actor coming in to uh, play a role that already had its very own iconic comic book actor, like Gary Oldman, did such a great job as as Jim Gordon. It'll have to. It'll probably be a very different take on the role, and I'll, I'm excited to see uh, see what happens. Mm-hmm. I, I just came across this uh, story real quick. It's pretty funny. Uh, Henry Cavill walked around Times Square in a Superman shirt, and no one noticed. And there's a there's a picture of him. Yep, it's uh, Henry Cavill. He's even got the his hair styled like Superman, and he's wearing a t-shirt with the big red S on it. And he's in Times Square, which currently has his face plastered everywhere. And uh, he said he captioned it with "Dear Doubter, the glasses are good enough." Regards, Superman. He was wearing glasses? No, he's not wearing glasses. Oh, but he's just saying. I mean, that's true. People do shine the glasses, but when you think about it, as it's it's not a bad disguise. It's it's not and obviously like I mean, I feel like if I was someone like say Lois Lane and I got up close and personal with Superman and I'm staring there looking at you with my bare face and then, you know, I put you down, I run away, I, and then I come back as Clark Kent, I'm only wearing glasses like I do feel like you'd have to be pretty dumb. Well, not to kind of be like, wow, you look too strikingly like. I mean, we'll have to see. Superman. Like, well, I, I mean, in the movie, she knows. Yeah, well, they, 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 they that's just kinda, obviously not going to play out in the movies. But I mean, like right. going over the canon, there's right. no way that Lois yeah. shouldn't have figured it out being that close to him all the times. But like any normal bystander that doesn't give two shits about Clark Kent, wearing the glasses is like pff, no problem. People, people, uh, you know people walking around aren't going to be looking everywhere for, all right, right, who's, who's Superman, who's Superman. You know, you don't, you're not constantly searching for that. You're often in your own world, having your own thoughts. And maybe you'll think about, you know, in that world, Superman every once in a while, but you're not constantly like, who is it? And you're probably not thinking that some guy on the street is just Superman in disguise. Like, why would he be? He can fly and shoot lasers out of his eyes and, and punch buildings into dust. Like, what's the point of him pretending to be human? Why would he waste his time doing that? You know, if, if Superman existed, you're not going to think he's obviously hanging out right now somewhere on this planet drinking a latte. He's probably in his ice palace drinking a latte. Other... You know who I miss? Is what? 
Superboy Prime. Nobody misses Superboy Prime. I miss Superboy Prime. That's he fine. was that kind of crazy that you miss him. I, I had some pictures up uh, from a fight scene from the Sinestro Corps War. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a fight scene that Patrick Gleason actually drew between yeah. Superboy Prime and uh, Sodom Yacht. A, uh, he's a, um, oh gosh, like a Daxamite, which are cousins to Kryptonians, um, but their lead is deathly poisonous to them. Hmm. Um, and actually in this fight, Superboy Prime ends up stabbing him with a lead pipe, so he has to stay in Green Lantern mode to prevent the lead from poisoning him. Uh, anyway, uh, I was just thinking about, I was like, Superboy Prime, when written well, like, basically between, like, Jeff Johns and, and Peter Tomasi, I think this was written by Peter Tomasi. It may have been Dave Gibbons. But anyway, um, just an absolutely fun character. Crazy as shit, but fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably also, never... Also, everything that Patrick Gleason touches is gold. We'll probably never see Superboy Prime again. So, you know. I don't know. This nah. whole rebirth thing is basically like a love letter to Jeff Johns saying... Please, we need your magic touch. Because think about it. It's like 90% of the time when Jeff Johns takes over a book, it's gen... I mean, think of like his big runs. The Flash, um, um, uh, Superman, you know, to extent. Green Lantern especially. Like Flash and Green Lantern. Teen Titans is a book that I don't think has ever recovered since he was the writer several years ago. Um, but it's like he takes over a book. He does, you know, a really good Jeff Johns job on it. And then when he leaves, it just feels like the book spirals and has no idea how to cement its creative identity. And I feel like this is I don't DC know if that's being true like of everything. What? That's not true of everything. Not everything, but I just think, and obviously, people. This is obviously my personal opinion, but I think like, like I I picked up Jeff Johns' Teen Titans run. And I was like, wow, this is really good. Um, and I feel, and I've tried to pick up Teen Titans here or there since then, and just nothing has grabbed me. The same thing with Green Lantern. Uh, and the Flash, I never, uh, I have like the first volume to it. I'd love to dig into his Flash run, um, but maybe you're you just know. maybe uh, Jeff Johns just does it for you. you oh, know? he he does. But I'm just saying, like it's not like he, to me and people. He revs your engine. Run. He he lights your darkest night. I don't, you know, he, I don't know. He did. okay, shut up, David. <laughs> um, he it feels like DC like kind of stumbles maybe, maybe like, you keeping feel a his, strong creative team on the book. Maybe you feel as Green Lanterns might. I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. Last news story is that Image Expo announced that the whole Batgirl creative team as guests, which uh, either means that they are pulling double duty because Batgirl is continuing on into the Rebirth era, um, or they are leaving Batgirl. Will be a different creative team. Team can't talk in play um, and that they'll just be focusing on their image comic. Yeah. Who knows? The, the bigger news story here is that image expo was happening this year, uh, which it, it happens every year. It didn't happen last year. Oh, it did I'm Where pretty did? sure it didn't like image. Sure. It did expo 2015. I thought there was something about it not happening. Oh, you know what? I'm totally wrong. I, whatever. I'm over it. Uh, yeah. So other guests who have also been announced, uh, Ed Brubaker, where I am, I imagine he will probably announce the next thing that him and, uh, Sean Phillips, and Sean Phillips, I almost said Sean Murphy, him and Sean Phillips are doing, uh, Ron Wimberly, Howard Chaikin and Nick Dragota. Uh, but yeah, the three of them will be there. It'll be very interesting 
to see. I mean, the, the, this could be them announcing something together, or it could be, hey, we're just, we just happen to all three be here, but we're working on separate projects, uh, which would also be cool. Maybe they're going to reveal their new uh, their new superheroine book, uh, which is uh, you know it's about a, a girl who worked in the shadow of an older superhero for a long time, but now she's decided to hipster herself up and uh and and you know make a new costume and she's gonna call oh, herself she's gonna call herself scrap girl that's that? like time number eight that pencil oh. has gone flying across the room yeah i'm not going for it good uh yeah and that oh and uh riverdale cast kevin keller as an unknown actor and chip zadarsky will apparently be in the show of riverdale Cool. Which sounds awesome. Beans. Oh, and uh, Luke Cage is coming out September 20-something? 20th? 20th or 30th. We're really good at Luke this, guys. Luke Cage is coming out. He's going to be on your TV. Mike Coulter September, saying, yeah, it's coming out then. September 30th, we are heading to Harlem, is what he says. Uh, cool, Harlem. cool beans. Still no announcements if Jessica Jones season two is premiering this year. I mean, there hasn't even been announcements that they're filming it yet. So they're filming it in secret. I mean, maybe I don't know where they're gonna go in that second season. Anyway, uh, Nick, what do you got to? We're you know we're wrapping down the show here. It comes to that time at the end of every show where we have to ask ourselves. You boys aren't nerds, are you? And the answer is yes. And so we recommend some nerdy things for our fellow nerds. So I'm going to do... I already hate pull... you. What? I already... I don't even know what... Okay. I don't even know. All right. All right. I'm going to recommend. Okay. Okay. All right. What do you think I'm going to recommend? I don't know, but it's probably not going to be anything that has to do with comics. Yes, it does. I am going to pull a David, however, because besides still catching up on Matt Fraction's Invincible Iron Man run, I haven't really read a lot of comics this week. Um, so I'm going to recommend the current Spider-Woman series, only because of the, you know you, people... you started this. No, Re I didn't. Yes, you, you did. did. No, you did. No. All right, keep talking. Keep I, talking. What, keep no, talking. What, David? Shut up. What did I start it on? I know I'm going through the Hekia Comics archives as you Good. go ahead and do your recommendation. Good. All right, yeah, yeah. Tell me what I did because I always make you fun of you for this. You do, and it's completely baseless. It's not baseless. Half the shows, you're like, oh, I'm going to recommend something I talked about five seconds before. Oh, my, my recommendation, goodness. obviously, the book is good. I've mentioned that several times. Like, you know, read the first four issues with the Greg Land art. Again, nothing personal against Greg Land, but just I, I do not like his artwork at all. Um, but I mean, from Spider-Woman number five of the previous volume on to issue number five of this current volume, it's just, it's fantastic work. They totally get her character. Um, they bring, uh, the, the artwork is just a beautiful aesthetic, smart storytelling, creative storytelling, like clear, but on certain pages, certain sequences, very creative. I think if you enjoy, uh, that often used, though, I don't necessarily mean, when I say strong female character, I just mean that she is a good, like she has plenty of problems and makes plenty of mistakes, but she's a compelling character, female or otherwise. Um, but it, you know, if that, if that lights your world, then, then that's a cool part. Um, it's, it's just an awfully good book. I know the sales aren't great. I think Marvel's 
kind of supporting it, um, but certainly anything could help. So my recommendation isn't something to read it, but truly go out there. If you are a subscriber like us and you pick up books on a weekly basis, put this book on your subscription. Uh, spread the love if you like it. And just, yeah, Spider-Woman by Dennis Hopeless and Javier Rodriguez. Go check it out. Cool, cool, cool. I will have to check that out. Um, man, apparently some of our old episodes might be having some issues. I have to go check that out. Um, it's probably now a good time for me to do a recommendation, even though I've been trying to prove you wrong this whole time, which I have to, you know, I have to go through our issue or episodes one by one to, to try and get this figured out. Uh, let's see. You have to listen to them all. No, I don't. No, for sure. I mean, just because if it says my recommendation is something, you don't know if I actually mentioned it earlier. Well, in the usually, show. usually I'm, I, I write out what we, uh, what we talked about in the show in like the do you even like look at our episodes have you ever been on our website we have a website <laughs> i hate you so much i feel like did you talk you, you've recommended razzle twice razzle dazzle did i okay sometimes i've repeated recommendations but i never talked about something earlier in the show and no, i recommend no it. i know you freaking have but okay i'm not gonna waste time to look for this You're right wasting now. time david tell I them what am. you're recommending so my recommendation uh this week is that people go because coming out uh, probably the same day as this episode, I've got a really busy day tomorrow, so it might take a couple days to come out. Uh, but is that people go and rewatch Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix before season two comes out on uh, March 18th, this Friday. Uh, I need to go do that because I watched it all in one weekend and probably forget a lot of the really cool stuff. It's also just a really awesome show, and you'd be doing yourself a favor by going and watching it. And if you still haven't seen it for some reason, what the heck is wrong with you? Get yeah. on it. Uh, starring Charlie Cox, uh, Deborah Ann Wool. I can't remember anybody else who stars in this but season two uh, also seems like it's going to have a great cast with the addition of, of John Barenthal as the Punisher. But uh, Oh, and uh, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio as, as the Kingpin, which everyone absolutely uh, loved his Kingpin role. And I thought it was good, but, you know, hey, people, people loved it. You might love it, too. So I'm being distracted by Nick being a dumb butt face booger. Uh, anyway, Daredevil season one on Netflix. Rewatch it before season two. Nick, do you have anything else that you want to say to the fine people at home? Thank you so much for listening to our show. We always have a lot of fun doing it. I have a lot of fun tormenting David for an hour and a half or mm. to two hours once a week. Um, and by that, I mean every single day. I was going to say just once a week. Yeah. Um, but I mean, honestly, we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us. Shoot us some emails. Uh, Heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. Shoot us some emails. Tell us what you think. Give us ideas. Give us suggestions. Help us make the show even better. Um, we're always looking to improve. Uh, we love you guys. We love doing this. So we want to keep doing it. So shout out. Tell us what you think. Yes, I also want to uh, ask people to head on over to iTunes and leave us uh, reviews. Preferably five stars, but be true to yourself and give us a five-star review. Uh, that we just want, you know, we, we would love for more people to discover this show, uh, that we can't reach 
and uh and you know for us to to get our conversation of of comics just out there in the world so please do that for us because you love us uh, of course, as Nick mentioned, you can email the show at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can also head over to our website, as mentioned earlier, heckyeahcomics.com, or follow us on the Twitter uh, at heckyeahcomics. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You can uh, also find me on Snapchat using that same username. You can find Nick attempting to figure out what the heck Snapchat is because he's secretly a 60-year-old man uh, in the body of a 12-year-old kid. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, goodbye. Ever.